When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and welcome to episode 23 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Today's podcast is an interview with author Ryan Groudon, who is a bit of a world traveler as well as a YA author of the books Wolf by Wolf and its sequel Blood for Blood, which comes out a little bit later this year. She's also written the Walled City and the All That Glows series. Ryan is someone who was really fascinating to talk to. She is a little bit younger than some of the authors we've spoken to in the past, but she seems to be someone who always knew she would be a writer. She always had a passion for writing, uh, and she has a really unique ability to create characters that jump off the page. Her current books, uh, Wolf by Wolf and Blood for Blood, are an alternate universe uh, alternate alternate history type of a story where Hitler has won World War II and we pick it up uh, just after that and uh, our main character is a very strong female protagonist who I think you would really enjoy as well. We talked a lot about her writing process, her research process, how what she does when she needs to get away from writing. Uh, we also went into the young adult community and how um, the different YA writers all around the country really are that. They're a community. They support each other. They um, do a really great job of promoting each other. And it was really nice and refreshing to hear that uh, the young adult world uh, is, again, very friendly and people who really seem to promote each other's works. If you are enjoying the Professional Book Nerds podcast and want to go ahead and rate us in places like iTunes, uh, Android, anywhere else that you're listening to the podcast, that would be fantastic. We would appreciate it. You can reach Jill and I at feedback at overdrive.com. We read all of those emails and we enjoy hearing your feedback and implementing them into our future episodes. Uh, Jill will be back next week, so we'll be offering loads of book recommendations uh, and all sorts of great stuff. So thank you for listening to the Professional Book Nerds podcast, and I hope you enjoy this interview with author Ryden Groudon. Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I'm joined by YA author Ryan Groudon, who is the author of The Walled City, the All That Glows series, as well as Wolf by Wolf, which has a sequel, Blood for Blood, coming out this November. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I just kind of want to dive right into your writing process, because a number of the authors that I've chatted with have told me that they always enjoyed writing when they were growing up, but they never really anticipated becoming like a quote-unquote author full-time. And for you, it seems that you always kind of wanted to do that. Like you always knew that you wanted to be a writer. So when did you realize that this was something that you wanted to pursue for a living? Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting and long uh, long question. <laughs> and I, I always knew like from age five and six um, – I started writing, like, short story collections in, like, my dad's old tax uh, ledger notebook mm-hmm. and illustrating them as well. And um, but when I was 13, I uh, I read a book called Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And I was so taken with that book. And um, when I finished it, I wanted there, I wanted it to have a sequel, which it didn't. Um, and I wanted it so badly that I decided I was going to sit down and like write my own, not necessarily sequel, but like a thinly veiled fan fiction <laughs> of, of that novel. And so that was like the first time I, I really sat down and I wrote a 60 page like manuscript. Um, and ever since then, um, I just decided, I, I knew it was possible to write these long stories. And so I kept doing that and kept doing that. Um, and I, I went to a, an arts high school and majored in creative writing. And then, uh, when I went to college, I went to college Charleston here in South Carolina. And as a freshman, I kind of had a little bit of a identity crisis wobble. Like my, my parents have always been incredibly supportive of my create, my creative dreams and goals. Um, but you know, when you first get into college, you hear all of these people, Thing. you know, you should probably major in something that's practical, that you can get a, a stable career off of when you graduate. <laughs> and, um, so I was starting to have these doubts and wondering if maybe I should, like, major in business or, you know, communications. Um, but I had a friend uh, at the time, she, she sat me down and looked me in the eye, and she was like, Ryan, writing is what you love, and it's what you want to do more than anything, so you need to follow your passion, and a degree is just a degree. Um, and so I chose to, uh, pursue creative writing in that sense as well. And so I wrote for many years just for school. Um, but my senior year, uh, I was a few months away from graduation and it, it that's when it kind of hit me that, oh, you know, this real life is coming. <laughs> and if I want to make this happen, I need to like make it a daily habit and a daily discipline. And so I think that's the year that uh, the the real hunger and drive started kicking in, and I started being very disciplined about my writing process every single day. Um, and a few short years later, after that, it, it paid off. So, I feel like author is one of those uh, professions that sort of along the lines of like being an actor, where anytime someone goes to college and says, "I want to be an author," there's always those people that say, "Well, you should have a fallback plan of some kind." It's almost like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's, it feels like one of those things where, I don't know, personally, I feel like if I wanted to become an author and I had a fallback plan, I'd be more likely to just be like, oh, well, I can always just go back to this thing. So I think the way you did it is right, is follow your passion and not, don't worry about like, oh, what if I don't make it? Because as soon as you kind of put those, you know, seeds of doubt in your brain, it's like, well, I can always just go back and I could do, you know, insert major here. So I think you definitely took the right path. Yeah, and a few years into, you know, being out of school, um, I, I had, you know, a pretty normal nine to five job and there was that kind of that sheer terror of being like, well, if writing doesn't pan out, like I'm stuck in something I don't want to be doing for the rest of my life. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that just kind of was fuel for that fire that, you know, drove me forward to pursue publication. <laughs> And so you were mentioning, you said uh, you made sure that you sat down and, and wrote every single day. So for you, what what is your writing process like? Are you the type of person who it's like, I'm going to wake up every morning at 8 a.m. and I'm going to write until noon? Or are you just, are you more of the type of person who like, throughout the day, you're just going to sit down and write whenever the inspiration hits you? Uh, so on Myers-Briggs, um, I'm an INFJ, and a J personality means you need structure very much so to function in day-to-day -day life. And so I I find that when I kind of leave it up to inspiration or whim, like, I get really stressed out about 
um, whether or not I'm going to write enough or or anything like that. So I find that when I when I sit down to the computer and I take it in segments, I'll take an hour and I'll just shut the internet off and like write as much as I can. And I'll do that for about like four hours throughout a typical work day. Um, and that usually produces uh, what I need to produce to meet my deadlines and, and get all of that out. And do you concern yourself with like a, a, a word count for a day or anything like that? Or is it more just like, all right, I need to get out, you know, like you said, those kind of like four hours a day because that, that structure, are you like a word count type of a person or is it more just the time Yeah, mo- mostly for accountability for that structure. Um, I try to write at least a thousand words a day. Um, sometimes, it, you know, it turns out to be more. Sometimes, unfortunately, on the tough days, it turns out to be less. <laughs> Um, but it usually evens out by the end of the week. And I know in doing some research on you that you have a fascination with fairy tales, which I am in the same boat. Uh, I actually have to tell you, one of the recent podcasts we did, we talked all about young adult content, and we discussed at length our love of fairy tales and and retellings of fairy tales. So I was just curious, mm-hmm. what were some of the fairy tales you read growing up, and you know, what were some of those characters that you loved to read about? Yeah, um, so it's funny that you should mention that. There's a lot of, um, I, I'm, I'm sure you probably got that from the, uh, the, oh, what was it? The, the Miami Books are interview where they yeah. were talking about, uh, Disney and fairy tales and, and like, you know, how you can turn things on its head. And so a lot of the fairy tales that I ingested as a young child were, were very Disney based, very Disney cartoon. Um, based. And it's funny when you grow up and you start like reading the source material, you realize <laughs> actually how much darker, uh, you know, well, Disney does like, so much there's darker. so many nuances when you're an adult that you go back and watch. <laughs> and, oh, this is a lot more risque than I, it, you know, was when I was five years old, but right. the actual source material um, can be like incredibly terrifying and dark and, and <laughs> as well, like as for, you know, the Germans, uh, the Grimm brothers and uh, Hans Anderson and all of them, but yeah, I so from I didn't read a lot of fairy tales when I was younger, but definitely the the Disney versions of of things. I always gravitated more towards uh, the girl power ones, so like mm-hmm. Mulan and um, Pocahontas, and the where the Disney princesses who had a lot of a lot of agency and. Um, were in control of their fate, basically. Um, But yeah, I can't really uh, cite many, like, of the traditional... I've always thought about, like, if I wanted to do a retelling, what retelling would I do? Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was growing up, I loved, 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 loved Robin McKinley's uh, retellings of Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget the titles. I think one was called Beauty... And then there was another one. She did two different retellings. It was so interesting to see the way the author tackled the same story in like two different ways, but they were both equally powerful and compelling. Um, but yeah, that's the thing is I feel like a lot of these stories have been told and retold. And I don't know if I will ever attempt to do a retelling, but I can't say never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Sorry, that was very rambly. No, that's all right. I, I will say, you and I are the same age, so I actually I also grew up with all those the Disney movies and and Pixar, and um, I I was actually going to say my personal favorite of the you know, if you want to call them princesses is Brave because it's the it's kind oh, of yeah. the same thing like it's very strong female lead and it's not about like a damsel in distress. It's more of like she's going to take charge. So I. I completely agree. And just hearing you talk about the ones you grew up, you know, watching, like I said, I, you and I are, are the same age. So I was just like, yep, I can totally understand. Yeah. And I also like very much connect with Merida on a, on a hair level. <laughs> like when I, when I saw like all, I have like, like massive curly hair, especially living here in Charleston where the humidity is like at a hundred percent all the time. <laughs> so when I saw Merida, I was like, oh man, like they really got the hair right. <laughs> Um, so speaking of kind of these strong female leads, I, obviously in, in Wolf, Wolf by Wolf, is, is it Yael? Yael? Yael. Yael. So she's obviously a very strong female character. Do, do you write these characters, when you're writing these characters, do you see yourself in, in these characters or do you put any traits that you feel you have into some of these characters that you're writing? Yeah, a little bit. There's elements of it. Um, certainly like the, uh, it's funny because my, my friends in real life, they sometimes like they'll see, you know, they'll read an article or read a review of my books online. And, um, they <laughs> had one friend who came up to me and she's like, yeah, I was reading about how they were like describing all of your characters as like, you know, determined and persevering and like, you know, like so thirsty and all these things. And she's like, I, I recognize who they were talking about. And I was <laughs> like, well, yeah, like my characters aren't necessarily like a good direct nerd. Like they're not me she's like yeah like you have those elements too and so i feel like authors you know no matter what you're writing about you no matter what genre or um story there's always elements of yourself and always elements of your worldview that start to permeate the narrative like it's impossible to extricate yourself from that because it's art it comes from your soul it's who you are um so yeah, there's definitely aspects of my main characters, and I would say definitely the the determination aspect and just like the force of will and um you know the not being able to see yourself like on on the level as as men to like in, in a especially in Wolf by Wolf where uh you know as per you know the Nazis rules like women were not. Uh, valued members of society and we're not allowed to participate in these competitions and um Adele uh who's without go, like going in too much into the plot of Wolf <laughs> by Wolf but Yael has to impersonate Adele who previously impersonated her twin brother Felix mm-hmm. to compete in this cross-continental motorcycle race and so Adele's um MO is that I can do anything a man does so why shouldn't I um, and so I think that also like very much comes from my worldview, which was probably cultivated by watching Mulan and Pocahontas <laughs> and you know, all of these things as a young child and realizing that like my worth is not dependent on my gender. So I, I want that to come across to my readers as well. <laughs> all right, and, and so I have to ask in your bio on your site, you mentioned that one day maybe you'll be brave enough to get a tattoo. And I, just, <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I am a, I'm a person. I actually, I have several literary tattoos. And so I was awesome. reading Wolf by Wolf and all I could think of is there's a very prevalent part of the story and it's not giving anything away, but the main character has these tattoos that are very personal to her. So I was mm-hmm. just thinking, you know, with 
how great these this book is and with the sequel com- coming out have you given any thought to maybe mimicking those tattoos or or if if you were gonna get a tattoo just out of curiosity have you thought about what you might get yeah, so that's actually one of the reasons I don't feel like I've been brave enough to get one is because I've I've wanted one since high school, um, but I I've always had the idea that okay if I want if I really want something you know I can wait like two or three years and like keep the design in my mind, and if at the end of that period I still want it just as much, then I should get it because that means I probably won't get sick of it or you know, not regret mm-hmm. getting something so permanently etched onto my skin. Um, and I've never had uh, instances where, where the the same desire to have that exact design in that exact place, like, maintained itself for a long period of time. And so I think my fear is, like, not getting something that means as much to me as, uh, you know, Yael's wolves mean to her in the narrative. Um because of your tattoos, they do become a part of you, and they do become, like, this, you know, not quite scars, but, like, marks of your past um, that link you to certain events. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've never been opposed to getting a tattoo. Actually, my one of my very good friends, um, she's an amazing visual artist, and she also has uh, several tattoos. But one of my favorites is... Uh, on her left forearm, she has a bouquet of flowers, and they're just, like, incredibly drawn and just, you know, very well well done. Um, and for for her, each – there's, like, different flowers in the bouquet, and each different flower represents a different member of her family. And so I think if I ever got a tattoo, it would be something, like, incredibly deep and symbolic and meaningful like that. But, yeah, I still haven't – haven't like crossed the edge of commitment yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say the way that you're you you are going about thinking it is the exact same way I did it with my first one or two. It's like I, I had an idea I wanted, and then I literally sat on it for like a year because I, I had the exact same thought process. Yeah. So I will say though, if you get one uh, after that first one, I feel like the amount of time that you think about the next ones <laughs> get exponentially shorter because they're very addicting. Um, I've heard, yeah. <laughs> so far, I don't regret any, so that's that's a good thing, but. You are going about it the right way. Um, Yay, <laughs> so when you're when you're not writing or reading, how do you like to spend your free time? Like, how do you like to get away from the literary world? Yeah, that was a hard adjustment at first, especially like after becoming a full time author, because writing used to be my escape from the world, um, and now it's my job. And so that was I had to find new interests and uh, and new things to distract me. Um, but I have a, lo- a very giant dog, and so he he takes a lot of exercise. And so um, I'll try to run him at least three miles every day, um, if not more. And so that takes up a good chunk of, of free time. And running is, like, exercise is really great for brainstorming, too. Like, not that that's necessarily, like, getting away from uh, the literary world, but it, it, it helps, like, separate separate my... A brainstorming process from the keyboard where I don't feel like I'm forced to be writing, but I can just allow my imagination to to get away with me. And then the same with travel. Like, uh, my husband and I have been incredibly fortunate enough to, uh, to be able to, uh, do at least one big trip a year. Um, and we love traveling and we, so last year, um, I was actually revising Blood for Blood all summer and it was a really, really hard revision. It just kind of ran me ragged, but uh, we decided to take a trip to Iceland uh, 
uh, for three weeks and I finished my revision and I put away my computer and turned off the internet and I went to Iceland for three weeks and just escaped. And it was like the most, and the, cut off all social media and it was just such a freeing, uh, like experience and very restful. Um, so traveling is a really big one. I also play Assassin's Creed um, <laughs> on the Xbox mm-hmm. just to wind down sometimes and watch television and yeah, so a lot of different things. And I, I have to tell you, so as I was going through all of your FAQs and, and, and reading all about this stuff, I was telling my wife, again, we're all, we're very similar age to you and everything mm-hmm. that you say that you enjoy doing, it was almost like looking into a mirror for us because we actually, we have two very large dogs as well. Um, we, mm-hmm. we, I do the exact same thing. We take them for long walks and runs and that's exactly how I unwind and brainstorm is, you know, I'll, I'll take them, um, you know, like a three mile run or a walk. And I feel like that I completely agree. That's the best way to kind of get new ideas without actually worrying about getting them down. And then the same thing with travel. So I actually was looking at, um, your Instagram and I'm very, very jealous of the, I, I think you were just in like San Francisco and Hawaii. Is that right? Yeah. was doing that. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was looking, we actually, my wife and I took our honeymoon in Maui, and so it was like looking at all these different pictures very longingly and very jealously, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, but I, uh, yeah, I completely agree. I feel like getting away from your surroundings, whether it is just like taking, you know, your dog for a run or obviously traveling, being able to kind of see new things, um, very much on the same page with you there. Well, I think especially like, and I, I see it a lot in hindsight, but um, advice that authors give to, to aspiring writers often is, you know, you need to go and live life. Like, you can't just sit at your desk all of the time, or you're not going to find new material. Like, you're not going to get inspiration. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I love traveling so much is because, like, it exposes me to all of these new experiences, all of these new people and places and foods, and, and it really just, like, feeds uh, feeds inspiration for future books. And I never know, like, I never take trips intentionally to be like, I'm going to research this project by going <laughs> here. I just go to a place I want to go and inevitably something will feed into some future narrative of mine. So it's, it's you know, creatively self-serving, but I'm yeah. okay with that. <laughs> so do you, do you have a favorite place that you visited or not to put you on the spot, but a favorite oh, country or anything? There's, there's a lot of places. But um, one that stands out very much is uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when I was twenty, yeah, twenty three. Um, so the the year after I graduated college, my husband and I moved to South Korea for a year, and we taught English. And um, it was a really it was a really good year living abroad, but it was also a really really hard year when it came to working, um, especially working cross culturally because our bosses were Korean. And they had very different expectations uh, of us than what we as, like, standard Americans would when it comes to working hours and when we would get paid and everything. So it was, it was very stressful, and it's, it's also, like, very hard to live abroad, um, especially that first year. And so by the end, we were incredibly frazzled, um, but we, we were able to save um, a good deal of money. Um, and so we were faced with this choice where, like, we, we should we go back to the states and buy a house or should we just blow it all on traveling so of course we decided to blow it all on traveling right that's 
the right answer. Um, so we did Woofing, which is uh, Willing Workers on Organic Farms. It's a program where, where you can uh, sign up and go and work on these farms. It's, it, it's all over the world. You can do it in, like, France or Italy, um, but we did it in New Zealand. So we went and we would work on these farms for room and board. Um, and so we did that for a month and a half. And it was just the most freeing, like, there were no responsibilities. And it was just, like, the most carefree uh, I'd felt in my whole life. And I was in this, like, New Zealand is just stunningly beautiful. Um, the whole reason I wanted to go in the first place was because I was such a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Yeah, right. um, and the shots uh, in those movies, like, you, you think that maybe, like, there's some sort of, like, CGI or, or some embellishment. But when you get to New Zealand... And you look around, you're like, no, this is actually a real, like, Middle Earth is a real place, and it's <laughs> New Zealand. So that's one of my favorite places on Earth. Oh, man, that is that is amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned uh, talking about authors giving aspiring writers advice. And actually, on your website, you have an FAQ section, and, and the first question you answer is explaining how people can get their books picked up or the process of, of getting a publisher to, to notice you. And I, mm-hmm. I really loved how open you are about helping other authors. And to me, it feels like the whole YA community is very much that. It's a, a community. Um, I feel like sometimes other places or other genres can be a little bit more cutthroat. But what it looks like from the outside looking in is the YA genre seems to be a, a collective group of writers who are just crazy supportive of one another. Is that accurate? Is that how kind of the YA world tends to be? Uh, overwhelmingly, yes. Um, and, and even, like, I'm always just blown away, like, by the generosity of other people. Um, one one specific author who comes to mind uh, is Amy Kaufman, who uh, co-wrote Illuminae with Jake Bristoff, which is a really excellent book. But, uh, their book, Illuminae, uh, was released on the same day last fall as Wolf by Wolf. So they shared book birthdays. Mm-hmm. And so when your book comes out, you know, you do a little extra promotion. You know, you talk about it on social media and, and all these different things. But the day before Wolf by Wolf and Illuminae came out, I got an email in my inbox from Amy. And she had emailed, like, every single one of her author friends. And she said, hey, guys, Illuminae comes out tomorrow, and that's really great. But here are three other books that come out tomorrow as well that I want you to like shout to the world about as well. So she not only like was talking about Wolf by Wolf, but was like telling all of her other author friends to also talk up um, my book on the same day her book was released. So it's you know, I, and it's the whole community is like that. Like there's, I think we all share the mentality that like we're not taking anything away from ourselves by supporting and sharing the love of other authors and their books uh, to readers. And it's just, it's a really great community to work in and to, you know, have friends in. I think that's such a cool way of thinking about it because as someone, like I said, I, I work for a library company, company and so I get to go to all these different conferences and trade shows and, you know, I'll see like a panel of YA people and just hearing an author talk so excitedly about someone else's book. Not only does it make me want to get the book that they're talking about, but it makes me want to get their books as well. And mm-hmm. I, to me, I, that's just, it, it's so refreshing to see people, like you said, it, it's not hurting anyone to say, you know what, this book is also fantastic. And um, do you have authors that, I, I know that you probably critique each other's works, but do you have 
authors that you work with kind of specifically every, you know, every time that you're writing something or they're writing something that you can kind of rely on them to help revise and, and critique what you're working on? Yeah, um, I have actually my, my closest critique partner who I've worked with for over six years. She's like read every single and critiqued every single one of my published books. Um, she actually is not published yet, uh, but she's an amazing writer. Her name is Kate Armstrong. So, you know, in a few years, you'll probably start seeing her name nice. on covers. Um, but I also, uh, I've done critiques, a lot of critiques with that Megan Shepard. Uh, she's the author of Mad Men's Daughter and The Cage. And she has a new middle grade book coming out this year called The Secret Forces of Briar Hill, which is like, after I read that book, I put it down. I was like, well, there's no point in me trying to write middle grade because <laughs> this is flawless. Like, it's so good. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, it depends on the project. Like, uh, with the World War II books with Wolf by Wolf and Blood for Blood, I, um, asked Anne Blankman to do some critique reads for me. She's the author of, um, Conspiracy of Blood and Smoke and Prisoner of, uh, Prisoner of Night and Vogue is the first book in her series. Um, but there were like really, really good World War II books, uh, set from the point of view of Hitler's niece. Um, mm. and so she, she like has done her World War II research and she like knows that subject back, backwards and forwards. And, you know, of course I did a lot of research, but I was like, you know, more eyes are great. Like, so she was really wonderful in being willing to read those books and, you know, give me some pointers and, and, and then so given that our overdrive is a library company i always love asking everyone i can talk to do you have like a first or a favorite memory of time you spent in the library whether it was growing up or a library around you now just any memory you have of spending time at a library yeah um my so i was homeschooled for a while um from like sixth grade through my junior year of high school and so my mom would take us to the library a lot. So we would go uh, to the library at least like once a week or once every other week. Um, and so I actually, I still live in the same city I grew up in. So um, it's all very, still very familiar. But I do remember like being in the children's section in that branch at the library and scanning books on the shelves and being like, okay, like which which book do I want to take home today and read? And do I want to try a new book or do I want to reread this this book that I've read, like, you know, literally dozens of times and, like, just keep checking it out at the library. So, um, yeah, the, li- the library played a huge part in my childhood. Um, yeah. And so you mentioned Ella Enchanted before and then some of the Disney movies, but do you remember any of the other books that you read growing up that kind of captured your imagination and the ones that sort of stuck with you? Oh, yes. Um, I was a huge fan of the Redwall series by Brian Jakes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a effort. I don't even know how many books it ended up being like probably over 20. Um, but it's a series, uh, where it's basically a fantasy series set in a fantasy world where all of the characters are either mice or squirrels or hares. Um, and so there's talking animals fighting battles in the woods. And those captured my imagination so much that I would not only write fan fiction of them, but I would like, forced my brothers to play, like, to reenact the stories with me, like, in the woods behind our house. And so, like, I would 
we would fight battles and, you know, do all the crazy stuff that kids did when they were kids. Um, and so those were a huge series for me when I was younger. Also, the, the Ab Horsen trilogy by Garth Nix. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Sabriel, still love Sabriel. She's wonderful. And, um, actually, Amy Kaufman, the very generous author who I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. um, I just did an event with her in San Francisco, and she brought me a signed copy of Sabriel from Garth Nix because she's really good friends with him, and she knew how much I loved the book. And so she gave it to me as a present, and I was, like, super overwhelmed with that. Um, and The Chronicles of Perdane by uh, Lloyd Alexander, um, you know, Lord of the Rings when I was older, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, of course. I started reading the first Harry Potter when I was 11, Harry's age, and grew up with that. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, a huge presence in my uh, adolescence. And, yeah, the list goes on and on, but those are just, the really big one. Yeah. I will say again, being very similar in age, I I feel very fortunate that we grew up at the perfect time. Like you said, we like when Harry Potter came out, we were the same age as he was and so it was yeah. almost like growing up with him and it's and I get to do that whole, you know, I'll talk to people who are a little bit younger than me or a little bit older than me. They'll be like, Oh, I love Harry Potter and I'm like, No, you don't understand <laughs> I you didn't have to wait many, many years to <laughs> so upsetting, just waiting in line at midnight to get the books. Oh man! Um, all right. So, what are uh, here? What are some of the books and authors you would recommend today? I'll let you kind of give a shout out to some of your your other friends and authors in the YA world. Oh, so many! Um, one of my very very favorite authors. I've been following her since two thousand nine, like the beginning of her YA career, is uh, Majesty Potter, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, who writes The Raven Cycle and The Wolves of Mercy Falls series. But my absolute favorite book of hers is The Scorpio Races. Um, it's just it's just perfection when it comes to, like, blending commercial and literary and, like, speculative. It's just the perfect recipe of, of those things. Um, another author who I just, I just melt when I read her words is uh, Lainey Taylor, mm-hmm. um, the author of... The Daughter of Smoke and Bone series, um, which is like an amazing fantasy. And she has a new book coming out this fall called Strange the Dreamer, um, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, let's see, a book that just came out a few months ago is uh, Wink Poppy Midnight by April Tuchel. Um, it's just a really, I don't even know what genre it is. It's kind <laughs> of contemporary, but it also has like this strange, like fairy tale feel to it um but yeah it's about three adolescents and it's kind of like these weird mind games that happen between them it's like very suspenseful and very well written it's it's just really excellent um and i'm like staring at my bookshelf here trying to (laughs) (laughs) you know pick pick out some of the many um illuminae like i said before um which is written by amy kaufman and jay Mm kristoff it's a really cool take, like, it's basically, like, a space opera, but it's written through, in a very, like, non-traditional format, so through emails and files, um, and it's just so cool how they managed to completely introduce something, like, completely new into the young adult genre through changing up the format. Um, what, I have some, some not young adult suggestions as well. Sure. Um, 
Victoria Schwab, she writes as V.E. Schwab. Um, her fantasy series, which it does have some crossover, a crossover audience into young adult, is uh, called A Darker Shade of Magic. Um, and it's a trilogy. The third book isn't out yet, but it's really, really cool. It's set um, in a universe where uh, there are four alternate worlds or four alternate Londons, and there's a, a traveler who can like hop between all of them, and some of them have magic and some of them don't. And it's this like really epic story of uh, of this traveler. It's really good. And then I just finished uh, reading The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern mm-hmm. uh, when I was on vacation. And I've heard so many people being like, you have to read this book, you have to read this book for years. And I don't know why it took me so long, <laughs> but it's one of those books where I finished. I was like, why did it take me so long to read this? Like, this is so good. It's so phenomenal. Um so yeah, those are some of the the more current books that I talk up to everyone I meet. Well, for being put on the spot, I would say you went above and beyond the call D. Those are. Those are really <laughs> um, well, I was like, is there someone I forgot? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I just have one more question for you, and it's just, what do you hope that people take away from your stories when they're finished reading them? Mm, that's a very good question. A very deep question. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, with the Wolf by Wolf series, um, since it's an alternate history, um, one of the things I really wanted, especially for younger readers, uh, was to spark a love or at least an interest in history and the time that it's set in. Um, I think a lot of times there people will go out of their way to avoid um, historical books because they're like, well, I'm not interested in history. Um, and, you know, it doesn't really matter what the book's about. Like, if it's put in a historical setting, they'll be like, oh, that's just too dry, and I, I don't really want to read about that. Um, and I think history, you know, is such a huge, hugely important uh, subject, especially, you know, with the times that we live in. We need to we need to know the mistakes that humanity has made in the past and the, the mistakes that we're, you know, bound to make again unless we continually bring up these subjects and put them in our, our conscience. Um, so I wanted readers, uh, who wouldn't necessarily, you know, read Wolf by Wolf for the historical aspect, but maybe were drawn toward like the science fiction slant of it or the motorcycle race or any of the other genres that are mixed into that. Um, what my like highest goal or hope would be was that it would could become a gateway drug into studying history and the love of history, um, especially World War II history. I think that is a perfect answer. Ryan, thank you so much for taking some time and chatting with us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.